All right, we have a video that some of you may recognize, but we want you to have it deep inside your heart. So Nathan, you can play that video for him. So we live in this world, and it's characterized by brokenness. We don't have to look very hard to see. There are things like disease, disasters, wars. There's a lot of pain in this world, but this is not God's original design. God has a perfect design. And the way that we have gotten ourselves into brokenness is through something that the Bible calls sin. Sin is turning away from God's design and pursuing our own way. And that leads us to brokenness. Brokenness eventually leads us to death. And this death will separate us from God forever. But God doesn't want us to stay in brokenness. So he's made a way out. And that way is Jesus. Jesus comes and he enters into our brokenness. And the death that we deserve for pursuing brokenness, Jesus takes our place and dies on a cross. And his body is broken for us. And three days after he dies, he rose from the dead and he made a way out of brokenness. And people try many things to get out of brokenness. Things like religion, things like success or relationships, education or drugs and alcohol. But none of these things can get us out of brokenness. The only way out is Jesus. And if we turn from our sin and believe that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead, we can leave brokenness and grow in a relationship with God and pursue His design. And more than that, we can go. We can be sent, just like Jesus, back into brokenness to help others come through Him to pursue God's design. Now, there's two types of people in the world. There are people that are pursuing God's design, and there's people that are still in brokenness. We have to ask ourselves, where are we? So, where do you think you are? We are in this series called Soaked because we want to be completely drenched, soaked in the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news story right there. So last week and this week and next week all kind of go together and build off one another. If you missed last week, it's okay. I'm trying to make it like a good sitcom. You know, you can jump in at any time. But I would encourage you to maybe jump back and watch last week's sermon or listen to it at some point. But last week we talked about what is God's big picture story. And it's that. It's the story that we were broken and he sent his son and we can have life in him and through him, only through him, through Jesus. And he invites us to be baptized into him, to be fully emerged in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and to walk with him all of our lives. And so that's part one. And part two comes to this place where we are today of listening to God's story. Because ultimately... We want to be able to do what we're going to talk about next week, which is telling God's story. Matthew 28 tells us what our mission is. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So it's make disciples, make people make, who are followers of me and, and making other disciples. That's our mission as we're going and baptizing and teaching. That's the mission. And we've defined discipleship as helping people go from unbelief to belief in every area of life. So we want to be fully soaked in the good news, and that changes all of our lives. So the question I have is, when was the last time you shared the good news with somebody? When I asked that question, some of you were thinking of um, maybe this week you were involved in sharing the good news with somebody. 
Maybe you actually had the moment where you, you showed them the three circles. Or maybe you began that process of building a relationship and getting to know somebody. Or you made a friend and you got to talk about maybe your faith. And some of you are thinking, I, can't, I don't know that I've ever shared the good news with anybody. And I don't want you to feel beat up today. But while Jesus calls us to come as we are, he does not intend for us to stay as we are. And so if sharing the good news has never been part of your life, I don't want you to beat yourself up, but I do want you to not stay where you are because Jesus intends you for you to share the good news to others. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Acts. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. Uh, talk about the life of Jesus. And then the book of Acts, which many of you have been reading in your study guides. There's a few more out there if you don't have one that just kind of takes you through some daily reading. And a bunch of you read uh, the first seven or eight chapters in Acts this past week. And, uh, and Acts tells the story of how the Holy Spirit worked to birth the early church and what they did and what life was like. And so that's going to be, we're going to look at that text here in just a little bit. But it's going to help us see what it means to uh, share the good news. And I have a feeling that I know why some of you struggle sharing the good news. It has to do with today's sermon, and it might surprise you. I think some of us don't share the good news because we don't know how to listen to people. This is not something I've actually thought about for a very long time. I love that when we open scriptures, God teaches us something new. And for about the last four or five months, I've just been wrestling with, honestly, today's sermon, with this theme of what does it mean to listen to people? How is that connected to discipleship and to sharing the good news and to evangelism? And I think it's very connected. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with sharing the good news is because we don't listen very well. And when we don't listen very well, we don't share the good news very well. We come across as obnoxious, or we're afraid we're going to be obnoxious, or we're not sure how we're going to say it, or we don't really know the person. But I want to build the case today that the normal way in Scripture when people shared good news was they had a posture of listening first. In other words, they gained a hearing. That's the words we might use. And I think there's different ways that this happened. Sometimes they would gain a hearing just like that. Sometimes it would take maybe a lot longer. But I want to encourage us to have this posture of listening before, during, and after we share the good news. Uh, we, we've talked about kind of these steps to sharing the good news, and we have uh, four things listed up here. And if you can hit the next slide there. Uh, prayer goes before and after all of them, but the person believes. And if we don't believe that God desires us to share the good news, we're not going to do that. But if once we believe and realize, okay, that's my mission, then we seek people. We try to find people so that we can share with them. And then we listen to them, and then we're ready to tell them. All of those things typically happen and usually happen in that order. And the people we're looking for to tell, um, there's kind of a fancy word that you can, or a fancy phrase to describe somebody, but it would be people of peace. And when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, go and find a home, and if they are at peace with you, then go in there. We'll, we hope to have time for that passage later. But you're, think about it this way. We're looking to share the good news with people who are leaning into us just a little bit, okay? Think about the people in your life who are leaning into you just a little bit. 
It's the person who in the neighborhood always waves to you. The person at work who has asked you about a problem they're having with a friendship or a marriage. It's the person um, from school who uh, invites you to sit at their table with them. People who are leaning in to you just a little bit, that's a sign that they're already listening to you. They, that they respect you and they care about you. And so that's where we want to start. So in your bulletins, I hope that you, you snagged one. If you did not, there's more out there. But there's this uh, thing called the prayer strategy card. And it's, it's dark and it's got some color on it. If you would pull that out for a second, I just want to draw your attention to this because I want to encourage you to take this really seriously. And the way this works is you spend a little bit of time praying and thinking about the people in your life who do not yet know Jesus. And so you're thinking about a family member. And if you have a family member named Jack who does not know, does not know the Lord, then you would write Jack's name in that big blue circle. And then below that, you think of who are the people in Jack's life. And if Jack knew the good news, these are probably the first people he would tell the good news to. And you would think, okay, well, there's his girlfriend, Jill, and then there's his best friend, Joe. And I bet you that Jack would tell Jill and he would tell Joe. And so you begin praying for all three of those people. If you wanted to, you can make more circles and, and it could get a lot bigger of like, okay, who are Jill, Jill's family would probably, if she became a follower of Jesus, she would want to tell. And you could make a whole big, fill a whole page full of circles and diagrams and things. But you can at least start with this. Then you think about a neighbor. Who's a neighbor who's, who's far from God? What about a coworker or friend? Or if you're in school, somebody who's in school with you. And then that last one is just kind of a miscellaneous, far from God. FFG, somebody, maybe some other category, maybe on a sports team or a rec league team or uh, somebody part of a book club or someone that you see somewhere else, and, and that's just kind of a miscellaneous spot there. But I want to encourage every person to fill this out and to begin praying for the names on here. And if you spent, you know, some time thinking and praying and you were like, man, it's still blank, I don't have anybody in my life that I know who's far from God. Then I want to encourage you to think about what Jesus said. Go. Go find them in Tulsa Metro. So basically, if right here, you drive 30 minutes in any direction. That's about Tulsa Metro. There's one million people. Do you know how many of them even claim to be Christians? 35%. And 19%, when you ask them a few questions, would actually say, yeah, I'm really seriously following Jesus with all of my life. So there's at least 650,000 lost people within 30 minutes of where we're sitting who don't even claim to follow Jesus. And another 150,000 who might mark it on a survey but really are not following Jesus with their lives. So what does that tell you? The harvest is plentiful. There are lost people. Will we prioritize finding some ways into their lives? And it's like the parable of the sower when Jesus said you kind of scatter seed here and there and there. And Jesus said you don't like carefully place it. You just kind of scatter it. And then you look and see where it grows. So find places in your school and in your neighborhood and begin just kind of scattering that everywhere and see where something starts to grow. See where someone says I'm interested or someone starts to lean into your friendship 
And Jesus would say, that's where you concentrate. That's where you go. And the problem is, I think sometimes we try to go from step two to step four, which is like, okay, I believe, and I'm seeking, and I'm trying to find people, and then I'm just going to tell them right then. And we skip the part about having a listening posture, about, about listening to them. And, and I want to just talk about and try to build this case that I think the Bible builds for us about how important listening is to discipleship. That word listen, if you like to count, shows up 1,500 times in your Bible. God thinks it's a pretty important word. And lots of times we think about how wisdom and, or how listening keeps us just from doing stupid stuff. I mean, it does, right? I mean, the Bible says, um, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise, right? Or correct application for today, he who holds his Twitter or Facebook or text messaging is wise, right? Because where you talk too much or text too much, you get in trouble, right? Because God says, slow it down a little bit, be wise, listen first. So that's a, that's a good application for listening and very true. But I also believe that we need to kind of listen proactively to actually enter into a conversation with the goal of listening first. So we listen before and during and after we make disciples. And we're always in the process of that at some point because we can all be growing. So we're being quick to listen. That's the phrase from the book of James. And the New Testament modeled this. Think about Jesus. Think about the woman at the well. He did not just come to her and start preaching a sermon. He came in John 4, you can read this. He sat down and talked with her. And he led her to salvation in that very day. It was amazing. But he had this posture of listening. He met with this guy named Nicodemus in the middle of the night. We're not sure exactly why, but we're assuming that Nicodemus was ashamed to meet with him in the day. And so Jesus like, okay, I'll talk with you in the middle of the night. That's fine. See this posture of listening and building this bridge so he could tell Nicodemus what was so important. We see this in Jesus' attitude where he goes, and this doesn't make him passive. I mean, he's looking to share the good news everywhere he goes. But he does so in a way, still with this posture of listening. One of the first things that he often says to people is, how can I help you? What do you want from me today? I see you there. I see you calling my name. What, what can I do for you? This posture of listening. And so we've been in the book of Acts, and if you're doing the study guide, you'll be reading Acts 8 through 18 this next week or somewhere around there. And I went through the whole book of Acts just thinking about, okay, when do we see people take this posture of listening? When do we see them gaining a hearing? Because in, in my mind, sometimes in the past, it's just been somebody going up and they start kind of preaching real loud at people. Um, and I, I, I don't think it's wrong to preach to a crowd if you do so with a posture of listening, okay? And, and when the apostles preach to crowds, you still see this, this posture, this humility that comes across. And so uh, I want to go through just several verses. Sometimes it's good to just kind of be on one verse or one passage, but sometimes it's good to just to read a whole book of the Bible and to see what God teaches us. And that's what I did the other day, and I just listed a few of these I want to read to you. So hear these verses and think about what it means for us as we listen to others. In Acts chapter 8, there was a guy named Philip. He meets an Ethiopian who's in a chariot, and they begin this conversation. And then the Ethiopian, it says, invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
Is that a posture of listening first and being welcome to speak? Yeah. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius says to Peter, we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. See, they were ready to listen, and they said, please teach us. And Peter's like, okay, you don't have to ask me twice. Uh, the, the official, the proconsul in Cyprus, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Did they respect Paul and Barnabas enough to want to listen? Yeah, somehow they had built this with them. In Acts 13, the Pisidian Antioch leaders say, brothers, if you have a word, please speak. And again, you never had to ask them twice. They were ready. In Athens, in Acts chapter 17, it's this town of kind of these deep philosophical thinkers, and Paul ends up there, and they say to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. And Paul in Acts 17, when you read that this week, you'll see that he had even kind of walked around the town and kind of learned the town so that then when he gave his speech to them, he could say, hey, I've been around your town and I've learned some stuff. Here's kind of what you're doing. And here's where I can show you the missing pieces to what you're looking for. See, he builds this bridge with them. And so in all of those cases, they had, they had gained a hearing with people. And the, the one thing that I don't want to do when I'm saying this is for you to think, okay, I should, I should really back off on telling people the good news. Quite the opposite. I'm afraid that some of you never share the good news because you're always afraid you'll come across obnoxious. But none of these people come across obnoxious. In fact, people are dying to hear what they have to say. Why? Posture of listening. Friendship. Humility. Love. Concern. They weren't screaming at people. They weren't yelling at people. They were listening to them. And then they had these opportunities in which it changed the world. So if we can put that three-circle diagram back up here um, that we watched the video of early, think about how you can, we'll use this phrase uh, that Caesar Kalinowski uses, gospel listening. What does it mean to gospel listen? So if you're talking with somebody and, and they said, um, man, my work is so terrible, I'm so stressed, I hate my job, I hate what I'm doing, typically what we'd say is like, nah, I'm sorry, and that might be it. But what if we were gospel listening? What if we were listening to them and trying to think, where are they here? Well, if they're saying that, we're kind of thinking, man, they sound pretty broken to me. They, they sound uh, like maybe they're hoping their fulfillment will be in their job. And I don't know that, that, if that's ever going to be the case. So what are some things that we could say rather than just, man, sorry, dude, that stinks? What are some other questions we could ask? What about, well, how do you think your job should be? Or... Why do you think that you sense things aren't right? Or do you think a perfect job would bring you peace? And then you might be able to share something and ask something like, can I share, you, can I share with you about a time in my life where my job was really tough and kind of what got me through that? You see the difference? One is just, I'm sorry, and we move on. The other is listening with the gospel in mind because this story is playing out in everybody's life. It's, the problem is there's 650,000 people within 30 minutes of us who are just stuck in the brokenness. And so if we begin to listen for where are they in this story, that's going to help us. What if somebody says, uh, my boyfriend, spouse, girlfriend, friend, whoever it might be, just keeps letting me down. I don't know what their problem is. 
And again, we could just say, man, that kind of stinks. But what if we said, do you think there's another human being that can really give you the fulfillment you're looking for? Is there another human being that's like really 100% faithful? And you know, I don't know what they might say back, but you could say, you know, Mike, what I've learned is there's only one who is totally faithful. It doesn't mean that you should settle for somebody who's gonna cheat on you all the time. But I'm saying where real fulfillment comes is in God. Can I, can I tell you about that? Can I tell you about the hope that you can have whether you have a boyfriend or not? And so we have this gospel listening. What about, man, I, don't, I just don't feel like I'm useful anymore. There's nothing I can do anymore. Then you're thinking about, man, where might they be? It, it sounds like they're really broken, but it also maybe sounds like somebody who has found Jesus but then doesn't think there's a mission left for them anymore. And that's its own form of brokenness. And so maybe just saying, oh, I'm sorry, maybe it's some questions like, do you think that God is powerful enough to still use someone like you? Do you think that God still cares for you? Did God give you some gifts? Is this something we could pray about together? That's gospel listening. And then maybe being able to present, hey, can I remind you, like, we're on mission together. Let's do this together. So 1 Peter 3.15 is a verse, if you want to turn over to 1 Peter, you can. If not, I'm just going to read it for you. But when it comes to sharing the good news, I want you to highlight this verse, circle it, memorize it, everything. Okay? Let me read it for you. Always, and by the way, this comes in the context of persecution, people beating them up, threatening them physically, and all of this bad stuff that was happening to the early Christians. And here's what Peter says. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. That's the posture of listening, isn't it? That's the posture of humility. Does, does it mean to be gentle and respectful is weak and passive and I'm not going to say anything? Absolutely not. Instead, it means you move forward. You're ready to give an answer. You're ready to talk to people. You're ready to engage with people, but you're doing so with those two big, big words, gentleness and respect. Is the guy who stands on a bucket and tells people they're going to hell when they walk into a rock concert doing so with gentleness and respect? I I suppose you could stand on a bucket and you could preach a sermon at a rock concert but I sure haven't seen very many people do that with gentleness and respect. So I have to ask, why are we trying to preach the Bible in an unbiblical way? Is that helpful? Are you gaining a hearing or actually are you putting stumbling blocks between people and listening to you? Because what I see in the gospel is people building bridges so people can listen to them. At that point, I feel like that person is way more concerned with teaching a lesson than he is with teaching a person. And God wants us to teach people, to share with people. What do we teach them? Bible. But we're concerned about the people. We're not just concerned about spouting out something. We want to listen to them and care for them and love them. So playing basketball uh, in a gym uh, that was church run, uh, we were playing and there was a, a new friend there with me. At the end of the game, uh, 
uh, I didn't realize this, but they bring everybody in to pray at half court. And my friend um, realizes kind of what's happening and walks away. And I, I'm kind of clueless. And, I, and I'm like, hey, everybody, come, come over here. They want us to come over here. And my friend's kind of like, and, and just kind of walking away. And I realize my friend doesn't want to pray. How do I handle that with gentleness and respect? I think what I do is make sure my friend knows, like, hey, um, I didn't mean to embarrass you there. And if you don't want to be part of this prayer time at the end, that's okay. I, I do believe in God, and I pray, and I'd be glad to talk to you about it, but I didn't mean to embarrass you. Isn't that the way you handle that with gentleness and respect? I don't know that that's the best, always perfect, but I think that when we have relationships with people who are lost, we're praying for wisdom, and we're, we've got these big principles. I'm prepared to give an answer, but I'm going to do so with gentleness and respect. And we kind of navigate those muddy waters together sometimes. I, I'm not perfect at that, but I'm just thinking, how do we share the good news with gentleness and respect? I think we have to think about what's appropriate. Is the timing right? Am I going to embarrass them if I bring this up now? Am, am I just kind of nagging at them? Or am I really concerned about them and having a conversation with them? Is somebody else right here that maybe is going to make them feel embarrassed or defensive? Is it culturally appropriate, depending on where you are and what kind of setting? All of that matters. So what do you do when somebody says, I don't want to hear the gospel? I'm not interested. If, maybe you get to this point where you're like, hey, can I share the good news with you? No, I'm not really interested. What do you do then? Do you shout louder? Do you chase them down? Not once do we see in the Bible Jesus or the early disciples chasing someone down who walked away. They let them leave. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples when he sent them on a mission trip, uh, he said, hey, if people welcome you, then you go into the house, you eat and drink whatever they serve you because you're polite to them. And you stay there and you teach them. But if the people in the town are like, hey, get out of here. We don't want to hear it. You shake the dust off your sandals. You warn them like, hey, this isn't a good idea. But I'm going to head on out. You don't stay and just beat your head against the brick wall. You kind of head on out. Does it mean that you can't return? No. You might want to return. In fact, we often do that in relationships, right? We come back to the same people who have rejected us. We give them another opportunity to reject us. But we don't just keep beating them over the head with the same thing day in and day out and day in and day out. We realize that Jesus said, just walk away. It's okay. Because it's not actually your job to save them. It's your job to go, to tell, to give people opportunities, to let God save them. In Acts chapter 18, Paul does this very thing. It says, when they opposed Paul, he shook out his clothes and left. You know, just kind of the sign of like, okay, I'm out of here. And I'm concerned in our kind of partisan culture in which everything has to be a fight and it's us versus them. I'm concerned that sometimes the church isn't just shaking the dust off and moving along. Sometimes we're taking handfuls of dirt and throwing it in their face. It's like, well, you're going to reject me? Well, I'll come back at you. And we kind of have like this fighter mentality of like, hey, I'm just going to say it like it is and you're just going to take it, which is paraphrase for, I'll be as big of a jerk as I want to, and you just take it in the face. That is not the way of Jesus. And I think that too many people have not shared the gospel because they're afraid of becoming one of those people, because they see what it's done. 
And the good news is that Jesus says, that's not the way I want you to share the gospel. I want you to share it, but with, with respect and gentleness. So let me give you five things that I've been thinking about. These are the dangers. When we obnoxiously try to share the good news, there's five big dangers I want to warn you of. Number one, we drive unbelievers away from openness to the gospel. We actually make it harder for them to hear because the good news is supposed to be good news, right? Okay? Number two, we fail to listen to people and learn about them. We see from Paul, he learned about people, so he became really smart in dealing with them. You read through Acts, Paul deals with different people in different ways because he became smart enough to, to listen and to learn. Number three, when we are obnoxious about this and we don't have a gentle, respectful spirit, we reach fewer people because we become more obsessed about teaching a lesson than we do about teaching a person. Number four, this is the big one that I think probably impacts the church the most. We scare believers away from ever sharing the gospel. Some of you are shaking your heads because you've been scared from sharing the gospel because you're afraid you'll be obnoxious. By the way, if you're concerned about that, you probably can't be obnoxious to someone else because you already have a gentle spirit. So your deal is that you need to share and realize you already have this gentle spirit, so nudge yourself out there. Number five, if we're obnoxious about sharing the gospel, we assume our clever words can work without the Holy Spirit. And it's not our words who are going to save anybody. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God who saves people. So what if this? What if every single person in this room, every Highland Park person, what if all of us were equipped and passionate about sharing the good news with other people? I mean, every day, if we really believe that was our mission, would our lives not be different? Would things not change radically in our life and in our community and in our church family? The friend that I made on the basketball court needs to hear the good news. And God has given me this privilege to be part of what he's doing in that person's life. And there's people in your life as well that he has given you not only the responsibility, but the highest privilege on the planet to share the greatest news on the planet with them. And we want to invite you to be part of that. So this week, homework. Read, read the study guide, Acts 8 through 18, and fill out this prayer strategy card and pray through it daily maybe with a friend or your family or just on your own, but make this a matter of prayer because we don't want to just dabble in making disciples. We want to be soaked in it. The Bible ends with the Spirit saying, come and let him who hears come. Whoever hears the good news, let them come. That's the invitation we have the privilege to share with others and it's an invitation we offer to you in this moment and if you've never come to the good news of Jesus so that your soul can be saved and you will be given the gift of the Holy Spirit, we invite you to do that even now. If there's people that you want to pray for, we'll have a prayer team. We'll have people up on both sides. It would be glad to pray with you about people on this list with you during these next couple songs or once we're done today. So if you would, would you stand and let me pray for us? And then you are welcome to respond or ask for prayer in any of those ways. God, we thank you that you took a listening posture with us. You came to us. It wasn't just a voice from heaven. We heard that voice. Humans have heard that voice. But you not only sent your voice, but your son. 
that you took this gentle posture with us so that we could be saved. And we want to have that same posture with others, not so that we can be scared and passive, but so that we can be released to share good news. And I pray for anybody who needs to come to receive your good news today, that today would be the day. In Jesus' name, amen.